So usually on Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, we like to open with something a little more lighthearted. But the four of us are in Minneapolis, and as we're recording here, we are three days into the unrest that has been occurring following the death of George Floyd. And frankly, we don't feel like doing something lighthearted. On this episode, we're talking about access to justice during the pandemic and what obstacles people face when they don't have the same kind of access to representation that others do. We were planning on doing this topic prior to the death of George Floyd, but it's relevant, of course, in a variety of circumstances. So we'll be discussing with two experts access to justice and what people are doing to get help to people and communities who desperately need it. Thank you for joining us on Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the podcast about the real life of lawyering. Once again, I'm Laura Temme. I'm joined by my usual crew, Andy Leonetti. Hello, Laura. Hi. Um, <laughs> Allie Marshall. Hey. And Joe Fawbush. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So I know uh, this week, for all of us who are here in Minneapolis, this has been, it would be an understatement to say that this has been a really tough week. I uh, just want to see how everybody's doing, what you're thinking about. Um, yeah, I mean, I personally am fine, but the city isn't, and that makes me very sad and a lot of stuff going on and in an already tumultuous world. So I don't know. It's been a rough week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that always happens somewhere else until it happens to your own home. And um, it's it's a very difficult thing to watch these uh these places and people that we love going through all sorts of um, difficulties on top of what was already a difficult situation. So uh, the whole mm-hmm. thing is just heartbreaking and um, we hope that people can stay healthy and, and safe as much as possible. Yeah. I am extremely sad. Um, that video was one of the, just the worst things that you could ever watch but everybody needs to watch it that is you know that's what a violation of the social contract is that you know one Mm -hmm. of the things that one of the things that holds us together is a belief in our institutions and law and order and when those institutions take a life it's really hard to comprehend like the, Mm -hmm. the type of the type of pain that people can be going through right now yeah, I mean, it's going to, we generally take a pretty lighthearted approach to things on this show. Obviously, this week's going to be a little different, I think. Um, it's really hard to mm-hmm. to find humor in much of anything. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, the longer it goes on, the longer it will take for us to kind of come back from it, too. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with in the Twin Cities for a really long time now. Yeah, and, and you know, something that I've been thinking about is that it's it's really easy, and me included, it's easy to think of Minnesota as, you know, a relatively progressive place and Minnesota nice and all of that. But this is just a reminder that there are some really deep-seated issues that have to be addressed um, or this is just going to keep going, you know. Agreed. Yeah, I wish I wish I could say this was the first time, and I wish I could say it's the last time. Um, 
but mm-hmm. unless unless something changes, um, you know, we can't say that. So let's hope that that something changes. Yeah, as we're talking right now, we're about an hour after the announcement of the arrest of one of the officers, and I hope that that can start to bring some some peace to the community because what's happening right now is awful. Um, but it is a natural outgrowth of decades and decades of anger and nothing being done about it. Well, let me say this. Today, we're talking about access to justice. We were going to talk about it anyway before all of this happened. And I think there's no better time, quite honestly, to talk about the good that a lot of lawyers do and can do um, in racial justice, in advocacy for clients who are underrepresented or face obstacles. So uh, today, we're chatting with two legal aid attorneys to learn what attorneys in that field are experiencing with regard to access to justice issues during the pandemic. We are joined by attorneys Elizabeth Sauer and Lilo Schlender. Lilo is a supervising attorney for family law and public benefits and employment at Central Minnesota Legal Services, a legal aid organization dedicated to representing clients experiencing poverty. Her responsibilities include supervising the legal work for programming involving victims and survivors of domestic violence and advocacy on behalf of non-custodial fathers. Prior to joining CMLS, Lilo was in private practice with a family law firm in Minneapolis specializing in international custody disputes and family law. Elizabeth is also a supervising attorney at Central Minnesota Legal Services. Her practice focuses on landlord-tenant law and also domestic violence. She has been with CMLS for 10 years. Before that, she worked at Southern Minnesota Regional Legal Services in St. Paul for two years, also practicing landlord-tenant law. In addition to her practice, she teaches the housing clinic at the University of Minnesota Law School, where she has been for the past two years. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank Thank you. you. That's quite a history-serving clients. Um, So we're talking about access to justice, which is already um, something that... um, we struggle with in, in a good economy, um, providing enough representation for people who need it. Um, and now we're in a, in a struggling economy and we're facing a pandemic. Um, so we're talking about what issues have changed in the current climate. Why don't you start us off by talking about who the typical clients are that you serve and a little bit about your clientele and practice. Lilo? Thank you. And it's great to be here. So the our typical client in our Uh, First, Central Minnesota Legal Services represents clients in 21 counties in Minnesota, essentially the entire sort of middle section of the state. The office that Elizabeth and I work out of is the Minneapolis office, and we primarily serve clients living in Anoka and Hennepin counties. So that is the the focus um, of our work. And our clients uh, have to be income eligible. Their income has to fall below the federal poverty guidelines. And to get a sense of what that looks like, a family of four would earn approximately $52,000 or less to qualify uh, for our services. Other than that, we really serve a range of um, individuals living in those counties. So that's, that's uh, about as specific as it gets. All right. Thank you. Um, what, uh, Elizabeth, what is your typical working situation when we aren't dealing with a pandemic? Sure. So, I mean, in for a Minneapolis office, we are operating out of a downtown Minneapolis usually. 
Uh, we, uh, our attorneys are in court on a regular basis, uh, quite frequently. And um, we also have a number of clinics um, in various community locations. Um, uh, we've got a few of them at the Anoka County uh, Government Center, including at the Law Library there. <clears throat> we have an attorney who's located uh, at the Domestic Abuse Service Center in the Hennepin County Government Center four days a week. Uh, we have just other community locations where we're, we're trying to meet clients where they are. Um, so that would be what we were would normally be doing. Uh, things have looked pretty different recently, though. Yeah, how is that? How are how are things different for you in your practices now? So, uh, well, we've been working remotely uh, since basically the start of all of this. And um, obviously the courts have been shut down to a certain extent. Uh, however, they are still hearing certain um, high priority cases, which involves a lot of the domestic abuse advocacy that we do. Uh, so those have still been ongoing. Um, and pretty much all of our clinics are, are happening remotely. So we are meeting with, with folks over a phone or uh, or video conference where that's possible as much as we can. How does that adjustment in representation and advocacy go? Do you feel that clients are still benefiting? Are they are things harder to accomplish? How does that how does that impact how you can advocate for clients? Well, <laughs> this is Lilo. I, the the difficulty. Um, you know, that we have, that everybody has, both public attorneys and the private private attorneys at this point, is uh, navigating the ever-changing waters of the courts um, and meeting the needs of, um, of the specific judges. And so right now, for example, in Hennepin County, it's very judge-specific as to how um, their courtrooms are being run and whether or not hearings are being held remotely. So even preparing or um, advising clients or accessing our resources on what to expect and how to expect and the technology that they'll need to participate in their own self-advocacy uh, has been difficult um, to, to navigate. And so that's, I mean, that's one significant challenge. And I think the other significant challenge is just the, you know, it, the, the distancing, and we like to say physical distancing rather than social distancing, but the physical distancing um, plays an impact in, in, in a person's ability um, to form a, form a relationship. You know, we are the emergency room of the legal community, and um, many times we are receiving cases um, through triage, uh, Either they're coming directly to our office in a state of emergency or one of our um, community partners, the law enforcement or child protection, or someone, somebody has given them our name and they're um, being sent to us. And so they need to and we need to build a relationship very quickly with that individual um, to get them to trust us and to trust the legal advice that we're, we're providing and kind of move them forward. And, and I personally, and I think our team has felt it's more difficult to do um, remotely. 
often because of the challenges that individuals have accessing technology. I was just going to ask about that. So people who are facing income challenges, how do they operate or how do they work with you in cohorts in, in, a, in a situation that demands that virtual relationship or virtual communication? How do you facilitate that with them? I mean, I guess we do the best that we can by phone. A lot of our work already happened by phone. I think in terms of building a solid trusting relationship between the attorney and the client, uh, it can be helpful to have face-to-face. So we have been able uh, to make video conferencing work in some situations, um, but that's definitely not something that's universally available to our clients. Um, And we do have the ability where it's been needed, we have, you know, done our best to uh, bring clients in to our offices, especially where they've needed to appear uh, in court remotely, and they don't have that uh, that setup. We've got our some conference rooms set up to enable that kind of appearance as safely as possible. Um, but it's really a struggle. I think the access to te- technology is really a struggle. Um, and it's something that our office can do to help the clients that we actually do reach and, and who we're able to represent. Um, there's a lot of clients who would qualify for our services, litigants out there who qualify for our services, who face that, um, that it's a much bigger barrier to them. Um, there's a huge gap between uh, people who are, you know, middle class or, or, or better off who have the means um, and resources to access any number of things, including the court system remotely right now. Uh, and, you know, poor people who don't necessarily have access to reliable internet or, um, phone, or even phone service or unlimited data on their phones uh, the, way, the way I know I do. Um, and as a result, those people are having to leave their homes um, put themselves at greater risk, navigate public transportation, find childcare, um, you know, go into public buildings uh, and, and really, yes, put themselves at risk. Um, and it's really essential to remember right now that living in poverty is a direct cause of many health conditions, which put somebody into a higher risk category for this virus. Um, and I also think that especially this week, it has to be stressed that there's a very real correlation between race and poverty in, in our society. Um, so this, that's a very big concern of mine. Elizabeth touched on this, but I think the other piece that we have noticed, um, well, first, our calls in terms of calls for need through our intake line have, have shot up, um, you know, Ali, you mentioned in the beginning, here we are in this new economic crisis and we are feeling it um, and we are seeing it and our clients are experiencing that in a very real way. And so the call volumes have gone up. The level of crisis has, has risen. The, the, um, the amount of violence that our families are experiencing has increased, not just even the amount, but the severity of it. Um, And so 
finding a safe space to even have that co- these conversations with us or meeting meeting us or accessing us is also been a challenge. Um, to find a safe space away from children to talk about, you know, um, sexual assaults or physical assaults um, is is challenging, and you know, finding chi- child care to even um, be able to um, meet with meet with an attorney to execute documents has been challenging. It, it's um, you, you know, all of us are struggling. And you add on pop, you know, the experience of living in extreme poverty, and then that's just just one more hurdle in and of itself. So, so with that increased volume and in in both obviously the number of calls, but also the intensity of the work that you're asked to do, how do you two, how do your attorneys, how do they take care of themselves in in, in emotionally what is already emotionally taxing work? Um, to make sure that you're that you're also able to continue to represent them and and stay s- sane yourself. Did we say we were staying sane? <laughs> that maybe maybe not. I'm you. You seem fine to me. <laughs> um, I mean, this is the work that we do, right? This is the work that our attorneys are called to. It's the work that our office is called to do, and so I. Th- um, I think it's already these stresses are already set part of the ongoing dialogue um, that our office has on a regular basis. And we, we take self-care very seriously. We take vicarious trauma very seriously in our office. Um, we have staff with uh, members with, you know, backgrounds in psychology and social work as well as uh, legal backgrounds. And, um, to help guide those conversations, to help clients navigate their own emotions and triggers. Um, and in, right now in Minneapolis, two things are happening, right? We have the pandemic and we have the rioting. Um, um, and so the, the, both of those are triggers, um, not only to ourselves, but to our clients, um, who have experienced any, you know, any kind of trauma in their, in their background. And so we're seeing higher levels of anxiety. Um, and that leads to um, panicked calls and um, like irrational decision-making or, you know, um, fragmented um, stories. Uh, so all of that's impacting their ability to advocate for themselves or to even, um, advocate to themselves for themselves to us or to the court. In terms of our own self care, you know that's that's an ongoing challenge. And we could say all the cliche things about exercise, you know, good diets, media, uh, meditation, not mediation, <laughs> meditation, um, and all of those things. I, you know, we do take seriously and talk about, but it's these are really trying times and unprecedented as a legal services organization um, since receiving sort of federal funding and being federally recognized as critical care. We have never encountered anything um, in this magnitude before. So 
I would just add to that actually funding wise, um, the federal government has done an outstanding job recognizing that this is a um, an immediate need. And so we have been um, blessed with very secure funding for the next cycle um, and emergency funding specifically to assist families who are directly impacted uh, by COVID. And I argue, you know, we're having a hard time finding families that are not and, and clients that are not directly impacted and that their legal issues are not exasperated by COVID. So right. that's, um, that's been very helpful to us. That is good to know. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we are talking a lot about Minnesota and Minneapolis specifically. That's where your work is focused. Um, and honestly, that's where the news is these days, um, these past few days, especially, um, and probably will be going forward in the next week or so. However, I imagine that you have um, some awareness of what's going on around the country as far as uh, legal services are. Maybe there's creative solutions other organizations have found or, or something similar. Um, what are you hearing from around the country? Well, I think all, it's interesting. All of us are um, finding that the, our need has shot up. Um, those of us who work in the fields of domestic violence have heard from our partners nationally that call volumes have skyrocketed to advocates, um, people reporting unsafe circumstances and situations, but um, but have are reluctant to move forward with any court proceedings to seek protection uh, because that would um, require them to uh, find an alternate place perhaps to live or um, would require them to go into court as Elizabeth mentioned and that that feels unsafe, that whole process still feels unsafe. And so nationally we're hearing a lot in, on um, in those areas. And I'm going to defer to Elizabeth on the housing, but that is another crisis area that I know uh, our national partners and offices are also working together on. Sure. And there has been a lot of national attention on uh, the impending housing crisis. We were already in the midst of a housing crisis. Uh, there's been a very important uh, federal moratorium on e evictions uh, in not only federally subsidized housing and federally subsidized tenancies, but also in any kind of uh, tenancy where the uh, landlord has a federally backed loan. Uh, and that has been a really, really important protection. And there's been a lot of conversation about that and the best way to advocate on behalf of clients using that tool. Uh, there's also been a lot of conversations. I think, I'm not sure the exact percentage, but most states have had some form of eviction moratorium uh, at the state level as well, which has been really important for right now in Minnesota that runs through June 12th. Uh, so we, will, we are waiting to see if that will be renewed again or if we're going to be heading back to eviction court uh, in the middle of June here, but it's, they're definitely issues that everybody is encountering. All right. Thanks. So we've talked a lot about the issues that you guys are facing. Is there anything else that you encounter in your work that you think people should know who are experiencing the pandemic, um, or other crisis? Yes. I do think that, 
one of the areas of practice that often gets overlooked, but I believe is critical to lifting families out of poverty and uh, creating safeguards for our community is the work that our offices do around the areas of public benefits and disability benefits, especially in light of COVID-19. We have many families who are seeking unemployment benefits at this time. Um, and as we've all heard nationally and locally, um, the offices of unemployment are truly uh, almost un incapable of processing the amount of need that is uh, being requested. And so many people are receiving notices, uh, denial notices, or receiving conflicting or confusing information. And it, it's important to know that your local legal aid offices do have attorneys who specialize in that area. This is very complicated uh, work. And same with our disability uh, rights attorneys and also the attorneys that work in the areas of disability benefits. Uh, this is a, these are benefits that are even more critical to individuals at this point uh, when you only receive $740 a month and you now are receiving $720, uh, $20 less, makes all the difference in the world for some families. It may mean their ability to, to continue to secure housing. It may mean their ability to feed children. When you couple that on top of the fact that our schools are closed and we know that children are not being fed, we are very concerned about uh, people's legal rights being preserved and that any support that they are owed, that they do receive them. The other point um, that I think is important to make is that this disease is, is discriminatory in many ways. In one way, it's deeply impacting our clients who are uh, disabled and reliant on um, group housing. And we do have a whole separate unit uh, contained with our colleagues at the Minnesota Disability Law Center who are uh, terrific advocates and uh, are doing coordinated efforts around the state to address the, the discrimination around the care that individuals with disability are receiving. So that's just a, an important, important point to note too. And any that adds an extra complication. So if you are disabled and you are in a a home where you now are not able to leave or receive visitors, um, your ability to access the courts or self-advocate for yourself is even uh, more jeopardized. And so that's um, something we want to just, you know, raise and bring attention to as well um, in terms of communities of greater risk and need. Thank you. All really good points. Um, thank you so much, to both of you for the work that you do and for taking time out of your day to shed light on, on some of the access to justice issues and that attorneys practicing in legal aid face. Um, it was a very helpful perspective. I think it's important for us to remember that for many, the law is a calling. And um, even those of us who may not practice anymore or who are in private practice um, can do good and can help out with um, meeting the needs of people who are uh, facing additional challenges. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, you guys. 
And that's all we have for today's episode. Thank you again to Elizabeth and Lilo for joining us today. And thank you all for tuning in. Check the show notes for related content. You can also find more content for legal professionals at lp.finelaw.com. If you have a little time, leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can email us at podcasts at tr.com. Thank you.